Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Hey everybody, welcome to our midweek Bible study at Rock Creek Family Church. I'm Pastor Justy and I'm so excited that you have decided to join in today or maybe even the, over the next couple of days that you, whenever you found time, you joined in with our midweek Bible study I know that I need something in the middle of the week to help me and encourage me and strengthen me. Uh, Two reasons. Number one, I want God to know that I want him in the middle of my week. I want him in the middle of everything that I'm doing. And then number two, I want to feast on the word of life. I want to dig deep and eat big and eat long uh, from the word of God. I, I want to be spiritually hungry for something only he can do in my life. And I've learned that he or she who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, they shall be filled. So I hope to fill you up today. I'm excited about bringing this word to you. I hope you're excited about studying the word with me this evening. I hope your Wednesday is going well. Go ahead and get your Bible. We're going to turn to the the book of Daniel, chapter 9, and then we're going to dive into what we have been talking about. But before we get any further, let's pray. Let's ask God's blessing on this. We definitely want to be seeking his face and his will to do this his way by his word. Uh, we, We want him right in the middle of everything we do. Father God, we love you and we thank you. Lord, you are so good to us. You are so wonderful. Your grace is so amazing. Uh, Father God, forgive me for all the times that I forget to be enamored and amazed by who you are. Uh, Lord, forgive me for all the, the things and the distractions and all the stuff that cloud my view of you and that, that, uh, that, that get in the way of hearing your voice. I pray, God, that you wash all of that out right now, that it just be you and us. Lord, we pray your hand would be mightily upon us. We pray that your eyes would turn in our direction. And that if you're looking for someone to worship you and praise you, hey, here we are, Lord. Here we are. We pray, God, that our heart would feel the move of the Holy Spirit as you implant and cultivate and, and, and sow those seeds of faith down inside of us. And we pray, Lord, that, that we would be able to feel you move in us so that we can be a move for you to impact this world. God, I pray for those that need encouragement tonight, that you would encourage them, lift them up, give them, give them a, a faith boost tonight. I pray for all those that are sick, all those that, that need you to move in a, maybe even a miraculous way, God, in some situation in their life. God, this is where you do, the, you do your best work is, is, is that when we recognize that you are God and that you can show up and be the God that we need, that, that you are everything to us. You are life. You are God. You are Savior. You are King. And God, we just want to do this all your way for your glory. So God, no matter what it is that we're all facing, we just pray, God, that your mighty hand would move in that so that we can 
grow closer to you so that you can get the glory so that people's lives can be touched and changed. God, we need you. We love you. We honor you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Use me in whatever way you want to be. You want to use me. God, we are, I'm just a, just a humble servant asking to be used by you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. Thank you for joining with me here as we start Kingdom Living Part 2. Just a quick reminder, last week we started Kingdom Living Part 1, where we're kind of looking at uh, the examples of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, some maybe even later some other Old Testament examples, and correlating that with some New Testament examples of people that were in a turbulent time, turbulent seasons, turbulent even areas of, of life. And, and uh, even though they were in these, these situations where their world had just been almost turned upside down, where things were maybe not even quite so Christian friendly, um, so to speak. And, and no matter who was on the throne, though, they always recognized that God was on his throne and that his throne sits much higher and that he is much bigger and he is he has it all in control. He has it all in his hand. So we definitely want to be found in his hand. And we want to do whatever we can to live in accordance with his kingdom first, no matter who the little king is over us. <clears throat> so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. We will get there, but let me let me set this up. All right, we're, we're we're talking again about how to live in accordance with God's kingdom, no matter who it is that's kind of ruling in our world. And and Daniel and and Esther and, and even some of the prophets, where Isaiah and Jeremiah, where their world was being turned upside down, and they were beginning to see God move in a way that was maybe not even. Uh, maybe a little bit confusing at first, right? Where, where God was allowing some things to happen in their country, in their life, because basically people had forgotten about God. And, and yeah, they, they wanted the blessings of God, but they didn't want to live the will and the way and the word of God out in their life. They, they didn't want to do things God's way. And so because of that, God had, had moved in a way where, where their world got flipped upside down. And in this case, um, they were exiled, and, and the Babylonians, the Assyrians, they'd come in, they'd wiped out and, and exiled God's people. And so now here we have Daniel, for example, for example Daniel, we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Daniel is now taken from his homeland and taken to a completely other uh, homeland and completely other religious system, political system, totally different way to live, totally different different uh, uh, surroundings and, and different ruler, different all, all this stuff that was going on in his life. But yet Daniel made a choice, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made a choice. Esther made a choice. Uh, any other, the, the, the Old Testament examples, they made a choice no matter how crazy the world was. Uh, Noah is another example. Abraham is another one. In fact, hey, I would dare say every great man and woman of God that was used by God made some choices to live for God, live by his standards, his commands, and his ways. Right? They, they chose to live conscientiously, consistently, and collaboratively for the kingdom of God. Now, um, I, I say these things 
with a purpose. Conscientiously, they, they chose to live in a way where, hey, I'm going to serve God on purpose no matter where I am, no matter what's going on in the world. Uh, a lot of times we, we, we call them prophets, uh, where they were living the will of God, even in a land that was not necessarily being friendly toward the will of God. We see that over and over in the Bible, even in the New Testament church, where the disciples are starting to, to, to be used by God to birth this new thing called the Christian movement, the church of Jesus Christ, while they're being birthed, while God's birthing this and building his church with his disciples. Hey, they were living in a, in a Roman system that was not exactly friendly to the, to the Christian way of life. And so it was hard for them at first, but yet they stuck it out. They held on by making conscientious choices on purpose choices that they're going to live for God. They also lived consistently. Uh, that, that is, that's probably one of the biggest keys to success, no matter what level you are on, uh, whether it's business or whether it's going to school or whether it's being a, a, a parent or a grandparent or, or if it's being a manager or just being a good employee or whether you're in T-ball or you're in major league, consistently, consistency is the key to success in everything that you do. Being consistent. If you're, if you're lukewarm and, and you're, you're wishy-washy and you're, you're driven by every, every wind that blows your way, then, then you'll be kind of what we call a tumbleweed Christian. If you're blown by every wind that comes your way, you're a tumbleweed Christian, which means you're rootless and you're fruitless, right? Um, we don't want to be that for sure. We want to be grounded. We want to be rooted. We want to be consistent, consistent in our faith. Not, not perfect. None of us are. Uh, but I give God praise that he allows us to, to, to be covered by his grace in those moments that we're not perfect. But even in those moments, we still return back to him consistently and say, God, I love you, I need you, I'm sorry, keep working in me, I repent, let's move forward, keep, keep working that salvation, sanctification in me, keep, Holy Spirit, keep leading me, guiding me, directing me, make me your workmanship, be consistent. So man, that is such a key, such, such, such a key. So I would, I would maybe encourage anybody who, who is wanting to know, well, how can I grow closer to the Lord? Or how can I be more successful in this, my spiritual life? Man, be consistent with the Lord, just as they did in many, many biblical examples. Also collaborative. They chose to live collaborative. Guys, we, we can't do this on our own. You can't do this on your own. I can't do this on my own. I was raised in church and have known God for a long time, been preaching for 25 years. Uh, I, I'm no stranger to the ways of God but even in this, even in, 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 in light of that, I still don't want to do this by myself. I still need help. I still need other friends and, and, and other believers to come along beside me and pick me up when I need it and correct me when I need it and help me when I need it and, 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 and bounce ideas off of one another, bounce Bounce our faith off one another. Let iron sharpen iron. You know what? It makes me realize just why Jesus said, hey, I've, I've come to build my church. I've come to build my church. Just Jesus, while yes, makes us a very personal one-on-one -on -one thing with me, 
in him, in you, in him. And as, as, as wonderful as that is, he, he, by his own will and his own choice, actually chose for us to live in this community called church, right? Called the body of Christ. We all need each other. Christ knows it. That's why he set this up. That's why he did it this way. So I encourage you to be collaborative. Find some people that help grow your faith. Find a church that helps grow your faith. I hope you're in one. I hope Rock Creek Family Church is that for you. We want to be that for you. I want to help you. We want to help each other. Hey, thank you for being a part of it as much as you possibly can. And we're so thankful. We're seeing more and more people starting to come back to the, the actual building, to actual live services. So we're, we're thankful about that. But you really have to be intentional. You really have to be consistent. And you really have to be collaborative in your faith and in these choices that you make to live for the kingdom of God. And as you do so, we found out that Daniel did four things. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did four things. Esther, four things. Noah, four things. Abraham, four things. They all did four things. The New Testament disciples, four things that they consistently, collaboratively, and conscientiously did to, to see their faith grow in no matter what situation they found themselves in. Number one, they grew in godliness. We talked about that last week. How they how they they made a choice to grow in their godliness. And there we don't have time to recap all of that. Go back and watch that if you need a recap or maybe you haven't watched it at all, go back and get it. You get part one. Part two is that they also cultivated dynamic devotion cultivated dynamic devotion. That's what we're going to talk about for about the next 15 minutes or so, how to cultivate that dynamic devotion. Uh, so let, let's take that and break that down. Cultivate dynamic devotion. Cultivate is, is development. It speaks of development. When a farmer is going to going to plant seed, he doesn't just walk out there with a bag of seed and say, hey, well, I hope for the best. Let's all just throw it out there. He doesn't do that. Instead, he first goes ahead of that seed and he cultivates the ground, right? He breaks it up. He, he, he gets the weeds out of the way. He even maybe pre-treats it for some, some infestations. He, he gets things ready to receive the seed. And you know what? That's really important in our life that we live in a way that we're, we're constantly ready to receive a seed of faith from God to receive a word from him, to, to hear, hear his voice, to feel his presence, that we're, we're actively pursuing him in such a way that at any moment he wants to speak to us, that he has our attention already. How, how awesome is that? If you're a parent, how awesome is it to know that your kid or your grandkid or whoever it is <clears throat> that you're around, that, that they're already in such proximity to you that you don't have to go completely way out of your way to go and get them to listen to you, to, to relate to you. They're already there. They're right there under your roof. They're right there. They're already has this relationship built. And so that's the way it is with us as well, that God wants that for us too. And we should want that for ourselves as well. Uh, so, so cultivate, let, letting, the Holy, letting the Holy Spirit develop us and grow us and get us ready uh, to, to see God move in our life. Cultivate, dynamic. Let's take the word dynamic for a minute. 
And it biblically, by biblical definition, it means a force that progressively can stimulate change. And, and I say biblical definition is because you remember that uh, when Jesus says in Acts chapter one, verse eight to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he will give you power. And that word power in the Greek is dunamis. And it's where we get the word dynamo, which is where we get it all the way down, broken down into our word today, dynamic. What Jesus is saying is the Holy Spirit is going to come and be dynamic in your life and, and, and be a force in your life that impacts you in a way that progressively moves you and stimulates you to be changed in a good way, <clears throat> to be renewed in your mind and not conformed to this world, but be transformed in, in, in his word and by his word and by his Holy Spirit, be, be changed and metamorphosed into this new creation. You're, you're not your old man or old woman anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. And he's done that dynamically through the Holy Spirit. So, so living a life that is allowing the Holy Spirit to dynamically move us and force us in a, in a good way force uh, that, that impacts us toward the right direction to see, uh, to see this development that, that uh, God wants to see in our life and that we need to happen in our life. I mean, hey, I, I don't know about you, but I want to grow. I want to grow in my, my faith and my spirit life and my spiritual man. And I want to grow closer to the Lord. I want to grow stronger. I, I want to definitely do more and be more uh, for his kingdom because his kingdom and him, he, they deserve it. He deserves it. His kingdom needs you and me to, to, to take this, impact the world with it. <clears throat> and we have to be devoted about doing that though, right? We have this cultivation, we have the dynamic and we have devotion. We have to be committed. Uh, the, the word devotion by definition is a committed in our love, our loyalty, and our enthusiasm. Hey, there's one for the books right there. Enthusiasm. When's the last time you felt yourself enthusiastic about the Lord, about knowing him, about worshiping him, praising him, reading his word, praying, serving him, serving his church, serving his kingdom, building what he wants to build, doing what he wants to do, speaking what he wants to speak, hearing what he wants to say. When's the last time you were enthusiastic about that? We have to be devoted in our love and our loyalty, and, and that will actually help in the enthusiasm part as well. So just putting all of that together, mashing all of that together, it means that we need to learn how to stay loyal. We need to pursue a life that stays loyal to the work of the Holy Spirit through this, what I call, spiritual journey, right? This spiritual journey. I'm not talking about a, a New Age, a Unitarian, Universalist type of spiritual journey. I mean the type of spiritual journey that Jesus Christ himself wants you to walk with him on. It's not by coincidence that Jesus, when he showed up, he told his disciples, hey, come walk with me. Come, come follow me. Come live with me. Come hear me teach. Come see me do miracles. Come work for me. Come, 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 come be a part of, of my ministry here. Walk with me. Talk with me. Listen to me. Speak to me. Let's, 
Let's relate. Let's, let's conversate. Let, let's work together in this. You know, um, we, we, it's a process, unfortunately, because I know a lot, of, not a lot of us like processes, but it's a process. Faith, our faith journey, our spiritual journey can sometimes be a, a process. And um, we, we just have to learn to just be loyal through that process and be, be committed, be devoted. And as we do so, the Holy Spirit, man, he produces and cultivates so much fruit in our life. It's going to be worth it. I promise it is going to be worth it. You know, uh, when I think about this loyalty and I think about um, Jesus coming and, and inviting the, these, this group of people to walk with him and to walk with him on his journey, um, it, it makes me realize that there's a reason why Jesus came to make disciples and not make fans, right? Even in his great commission where he tells his disciples, once they have been loyal and committed to him, devoted to him, he then turns to them and says, all right, now you go make disciples. He didn't say, go make fans, right? Because fans are, man, fans are fickle. You guys know what I'm talking about. Most of you probably Razorback fans, or at least now you are because the baseball team is doing good. The softball team is doing good. The basketball teams have been doing good. Football team is getting better. Track is always doing good. So yeah, we're, we're, we're Razorback fans now, right? But oh, for the last 10 years, where have we been, right? <laughs> Things are fickle when you're a fan. When, when they're doing good, you're doing good. When they're doing bad, you're doing bad. And we're on the wagon, we're off the wagon. Fans are a little crazy at times, right? To, to say the least. But God didn't want to come down and, and relate to us and walk with us just to make fans out of us. He wanted to make disciples, people who are disciplined and devoted in their walk with him, people who are loyal. This, this spiritual journey is, is allowing that Holy Spirit to, to walk with us through that process. Maybe that's why the Apostle Paul wrote that to walk after the Spirit, that's life. To walk after the flesh, that's death. But to walk after the Spirit, that's life. That's going to lead you to life. Uh, Dale Pilgrim wrote this little line and I thought it was interesting. He says, life is about a journey, a journey towards God toward home, toward heaven. And if we're not focused on that, life is just one long, bumpy ride to nowhere. But hey, we praise God that we are on our way to somewhere. We're on our way to heaven. We're on our way to him. We're on our way to our real home. We're all on this journey together. Let's allow that Holy Spirit to cultivate dynamic devotion in us. <clears throat> this process that he walks us through actually creates loyalty. That's why Jesus came and walked with them for three, three and a half years, right? Walked with them and he, he, what he was really in essence doing is creating loyalty uh, in his disciples, knowing that, that if he could walk with them now, then when Jesus was crucified and resurrected and ascended to heaven, that they would still walk after him then. That's kind of what the, the, 
the psalmist David wrote when he wrote Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, we don't want to focus on the shadow of death because the shadow of death is, is not a pleasant place to be. It's, it's a faith walk. It's, it's a place where we walk by faith and not by sight. It's a shadow. It's dark. It's scary. There's, there's death around us. There's, there, there's, there's things that are not exactly fun to, to walk through and walk by. But yea, though I walk through that, you are with me. It's a comfort David knew. It's a comfort David understood that to walk through that valley to really get through that valley with a purpose is to walk with the one that gives us purpose and gives us purpose for life. And that's Christ Jesus. You are with me. It's a process. It's a process. Um, I, I read something that um, <clears throat> made me think of a process and how important it is. And once you go through that process, how, how great you can be on the other side of that process. I read about uh, the Japanese sword makers who make some of the best, greatest swords ever to be made. And I learned that a Japanese sword, a true Japanese katana blade, is made up of over 30,000 paper-thin laminations. And those laminations are the altering of Hard metal and soft metal. Hard metal, soft metal, hard metal, soft metal, so on, so on, so on. And it's heated and pounded together at precisely the right amount of temperature and the right amount of pressure. And by the end of all of that, it makes a blade that is hard enough to go into battle, but yet not, but it won't be brittle. So that if it hits against something else, it won't break and yet soft enough and pliable enough that you could continue to sharpen it and you could continue to work with it. So it's gotta be super hard, but yet a little bit pliable at the same time. And really, that's journey. That, that's, that's, that's life sometimes, how it is made up of, of hard times and soft times and good times and bad times and up times and down times and times where we feel God and times where we just kind of walk by faith and times where we have moments of clarity about God and times where we actually have to hold on and just trust God through that. And, and, and we just have to trust and believe that God's working all of these things together for our good. Now let's get to Daniel. And, and I'm not going to hold you for too much longer here, but I want you to go to Daniel chapter nine. And I want you to see three things that Daniel dedicated himself to in a turbulent moment in his life, in a turbulent season of his life, he decided to dedicate himself to three things and it carried him through that whole season. Daniel chapter nine, verses one through three. says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books. Another word for perceived is understood. He understood in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face 
or in some translations, I set my face upon the Lord, the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting as I sat in sackcloth and ashes. Three things Daniel purposed in his heart consistently, intentionally to do, consistently to grow closer and let God cultivate dynamic devotion in him. Number one, to study the word of God. The first two verses allude to that, especially especially uh, number two. He says, he perceived, I did everything I could to understand the books that God had given me to understand. And then he actually goes on to say, actually, that was the word of Jeremiah. So what this means is that Daniel actually had still some of what we call the Old Testament with him. He probably had maybe some of the law with him. But also he had some of the prophets, in particular, Jeremiah. And he calls out Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah had written these these prophecies down, these words of God down for us to understand. And now we don't have time to go back through all of the things Jeremiah taught, but basically Jeremiah taught that, that hey, God wants us to turn. He wants us to repent. He wants us to come to him. And if Israel didn't do that, then God was gonna allow um, the, the enemy to exile them. But even in the midst of that exile, Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Jeremiah says, even in the midst of that, let's just say the worst case scenario happened. What do you do as a believer? Even in the midst of that, Jeremiah says, God has plans for you. Good plans for you, for my people, for my remnant, for my chosen people that are living by my standards, my will, my way for their life. I got plans for them. Plans to prosper them, to be successful, not to harm them. Wow, even in a place that would harm them. God says, my plans are to not harm them. And then those plans are activated by seeking the face of God. He says, if you seek my face, you will find me. Now, he didn't say, if you seek my face only in Jerusalem, you'll find me. Or if you seek my face only in Judea, you'll find me. Or Judah, you'll find me. Or Israel, you'll find me. No, he just said, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, wherever you find yourself, you seek my face and you will find me. What a promise. What a great, great promise that is. We all want the plans. When I'm telling you, the plans come through the face, the face of God. And that's where Daniel purposed in his heart to hold on to the words of Jeremiah and to understand them, to perceive them, to, to study them, to know them. And this is what you have to do. Learn to consistently study the word of God. Learn to consistently um, come to the word of God and just just. Let it sow faith into your life. I've often, this is just, just a, a little, little side note here, a little piece of advice. <clears throat> In my own life, I've often found out that the more that I read his word, the better my ability to hear his voice is. Because they go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit divinely inspired the word of God. 
And the Holy Spirit is what kind of nudges my heart, my life, my journey, just the same as he does yours. So the more that you read that word, it's almost like the more clearly and the better you can come to a point where you hear his voice a little easier. Right. So study the word of God. That's number one. Number two, he became a doer of the word and not just reading it for the sake of saying, okay, I checked my, my box off today. I read it. Now what? No, no. He became a doer of that word. In fact, the word, the book of James, I believe it says that not, not to be hearers of the word only, but to be doers of the word. Just as Jesus came and and walked his disciples through this process. Then at the end of that process, he says, hey, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, all these things that I've taught you to do, okay, now do them, <laughs> do them. Um, I, I've dabbled in a little bit of, of coaching, uh, especially when it comes to the boys and, and all of their baseball stuff that they're doing and, and how frustrating it is as a coach. Oh, let's just fast forward, or a parent, right? How frustrating it is as a parent or a coach or, or anybody in management where you tell someone to do it you even walk them through the process. You show them how to do it. You say, this is how you handle this situation. And then you turn them loose. And then they, ah, oh, they didn't even do it. And you're like, yeah, that wasn't even close. And because it wasn't even close, you weren't successful. Right? You, you weren't successful at this. Because you didn't do what I told you to do. Um, how frustrating is that? <laughs> and Jesus was kind of the same way with his disciples. He said, hey, if you love me... If you want to serve me, then do what I command you to do. Do, do these things I've taught you to do. You've seen me walk through, through, through life like this. Now you do that. Um, do what I say. Do what I've taught. Do it. There, there's something about putting works with your faith that just causes life to happen. If faith without works is dead, then faith with works, man, that's life. That's some good stuff. That is some good stuff. It's like taking seed and, and planting that seed. It does no good to say, hey, I got, some, I got a handful of seed. But it's not until you do it by, by sowing it, by planting it, by, by watering it, by taking care of it. Then you receive the fruit from that, right? So become a doer of the word. Verse 2 says he wanted, he understood the books. That word understand in the original language in Hebrew, in this case, in Hebrew, it means to have a firm grasp upon. Let's go back to my sword example. How good, what good does it do to have this beautiful sword, this hardened but yet perfectly pliable sword, this, this masterpiece, this work? How, what good does it do to have that and be in a battle and not use it? No way, man. If I'm in that battle, I'm using that bad boy. I'm swinging it all I can. I'm putting it to work. That's what it means by understanding the word. Daniel said, I came to an understanding of the word. I came to a point where I was doing this. Exactly what he said to do. And number three, <clears throat> number three, the Bible says that he turned his face. Verse three, I turned my face toward the Lord God. In the King James, New King James, it says it this way. He set his face toward. And that was a, an old expression, an old way of saying that <clears throat> you have my attention. I'm intentionally focusing on you. I'm come face to face with you. 
Well, how did he do that? How did he do that? <clears throat> well, you read on by he says he did that by seeking God in prayer. And he said, please, which is another word for, for intercession, to, to intercede. We'll go over real quickly what that means in just a second. But also into things called fasting and repentance. Now, those may not sound like fun things. I realize that. But to walk this journey out, you have to walk it with your wits. You've heard the old saying, he has his wits about him which means he's in his right mind, he's focused, he's going in the right direction, or she has her wits about her, same thing, right? Well, wits in this situation stands for whatever it takes. <laughs> your, your wit is whatever it takes. You gotta have this whatever it takes attitude and mentality when it comes to serving God. That means in moments where God says to fast, whatever it takes, I'll fast for a season. I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. If he wants me to, to come to a repentant heart, come with a repentant heart and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm, I messed up or I'm, I missed your will or I, I missed the point, I missed the mark, I'm sorry. Lord, change me and mold me and make me and forgive me and set me up and make me new. Uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He just wants to correct you to help point you in the right direction so that you're not walking this journey for no reason at all. That you're walking with purpose toward a purpose inside of his purpose. Prayer, right? I know this is a preachy thing to say, but man, prayer is so important. It's your lifeline. It is your lifeline, right? It is, it is your communion with God. It's so, so important. And then he goes on to say intercession or to plea or to intercede. Now, to intercede is... Uh, we get the word intercede from the Latin word, from a Latin word, intercedo, which means to come between. So it means that there were times in his life that he actually chose to bridge the gap for his nation, for maybe someone else, and, and pray the will of God and the heart of God for that situation. So he, he bridged the gap. He came to intercede just as Christ intercedes for us. He bridges the gap between God and us and gives us an avenue to connect with God. Jeremiah says, I interceded, I prayed, not that, not that he was Jesus, but that he was a type and a shadow. I'm sorry, uh, Daniel. Daniel was a type and a shadow to intercede as an intercessor for God's people in the midst of a really, really tough time. Now, let's compare that. Let's compare that really, really quickly with a church in the book of Revelation. We're going to do this. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to close. As you can hear, there's a squeak or two happening. That's my little puppy. She wants out. So, hey, time's up, right? Time's up. But let's go real quick to Revelation chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. Ugh, that's not good stuff, right? To you, I say... I do not lay on you any other burden. But I tell you this, Jesus says, hold fast to what you have until I come. All right, without a big history lesson, you guys can go back and watch our, our study in Revelation and get most of this. But Thyatira was, was a, a very busy hub where there were lots of commerce and lots of trade going through it. And due to all of that, there was a lot of idol worship as well. There was somebody in their church 
And he, she was teaching out of the spirit of Jezebel, right? Uh, basically, she was teaching uh, lessons in, in idolatry and things that, that Satan wanted taught, not what God wanted taught. Well, some were trying to, trying to listen to it in a way where they could maybe mold some of them faith, Christian, new age, idol worship, satanic stuff. So can we just merge it all together? And Jesus says, no, 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 we don't do that. We, we, we let Jezebel not teach any of that in, in the church. But for those of you that have done whatever it is that I've asked you to do, he's saying, hold fast to that. Now, if you read the whole context, you'll actually notice that he gives them praise, accolade for doing a few things. He says, hold fast or keep, he says, I've seen what you've done in, in your love and your faith and your patience and not allowing Jezebel to influence your life or the spirit of Jezebel to influence your life. And that's what he's telling his faithful group in the church to hold on to. Hold on to your love for God. Hold on to your service to God and to others. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your patience in the working, in the process, in the journey of life. Hold on to these things. And he says, if you do, I will come and I will be with you. And I'm not going to lay any other burden on you. Just, just focus on that. Just kind of the same thing Daniel. Daniel just, he had these few things, these, these things that he chose to do consistently. He held on to them. And then God did some awesome things in Daniel's life. I know God wants to do some awesome things in your life. And I promise you, if you will be consistent, if you will be intentional, if you'll be collaborative, if you will do these things, if you'll hold on to faith, and even greater than that, if you praise God for holding on to you and his grace, if you live in that, you're gonna get through this journey, you're gonna get through this season, and you're gonna see a reward and a fruit come to your life. Father God, we love you and we thank you. You are so good. We just pray, Lord God, that for all of those that are struggling in this journey now, Holy Spirit, that you come and you walk with them and encourage them. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who needs to repent, it's okay. Lord, lead them to repentance and say, I'm sorry, God, this is, my way is not working. Lord, we give you our heart. I repent, Lord, change my heart, change my mind, change my life. Father, if there's anybody who just needs to be more consistent, I pray Holy God, that it's not done in a legalistic way, but that it's done because you consistently love us. So we just want to be consistent in our love back to you. Father, I pray also for, for all of those, God, that are, are consistent and yet they just haven't seen, seen your promises come to pass in their life yet. I pray that they hold fast knowing that you will come right on time. We trust you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being a part of this Bible study. Come see us whenever you can. Call me, text me, write me on, on email, whatever it is. If you need me, you have a question, let me know. We love you. We thank you. We're praying for you. All right. Y'all have a good rest of your week. 
Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.